Welcome to the Moonshot Podcast, the podcast where we explore business growth, inspire innovative marketing strategies, and explore the world of company culture. Now, here are your hosts, serial entrepreneurs and best-selling authors, James Philip Arbuckle and Kane Carpenter. I think the best part of this chapter was I'm thinking about beating up people with hammers and you're thinking great teams are like families. <laughs> Difference of opinion, yeah. Um, the segue really quick. We just hit the bestseller list. How do you feel about that? I mean, it's it's great. We That was our goal when we set out doing it. And it's just nice to see that people have responded to the book. People care about reading it. People care about the ideas. So I'm really happy. What about you? I mean, the bestseller part was cool. We were on CNBC all week. And I'm not one to like really self promote. And then people started seeing the commercial and like your tech starts blowing up. And like, you never told me. And I'm like, well, I don't tell you anything. Actually. So, <laughs> um, nah, it was a good week. It was a good week. Yeah. Going back to beating people up with hammers. Um, I don't, I think you were in the office when that happened. It's, there was some article that came out and, is in California or something. They was talking about this motorcycle gang met up at like a Starbucks. Man, they were beating each other up with like ball peen hammers over a territory riff. And I'm like, man, it's gotta be a way to apply that to business. Right. Um, kind of funny, but I, I, I remember something like that. I mean, this was years ago, right? So, Oh, in our world, we're we're beating you up with the telephone and and making more sales calls and yeah. doing more marketing. It's it's just this thought that if you're trying to grow a company, it's really hard to do. If we always talk about having everybody rowing in the same direction, I use the example a lot of not having the people who are drilling holes in the back of the boat trying to sink the damn thing and when you have this whole group of people that's thinking growth, I want to take out our competitors. This is, this is our street corner. <laughs> like to have that mentality of this is ours. And we want a little bit more. Those companies grow. And I, I think you probably have an example or two looking at some of these companies right now where they have really high turnover. The, um, they employ a, quite a few of the younger generation who are job hopping quite a bit. There's no loyalty. They don't want to build anything. They're just pay me as much money. I want to do as little as possible. And then I'm going to go on to the next thing. Like how can, how do you build a company that's going to be competitive with a workforce like that? The issue with that too, is that you end up having your best people tied down, trying to manage the, the, I don't know what you would call it, but you know, the, the individuals who are, who who are rowing in the opposite direction. And it, it, it's just a losing formula, right? The, the goal is to kind of sit there, uh, think of a concentric circle, stand in the middle and then send all your troops out. And they all go do their thing at the best level that they can do it and then come back with food. But if you have your best people having to like manage bad attitudes and trying to get everybody just to do the right thing every single day, well, you, you just lose. Well, you know, people will say, have a mission statement, have an employer value proposition, and all these things we believe in, and sharing a common goal. And I think post-COVID, which we talk about a lot, you know, the workforce doesn't really care 
about the goal anymore. It's you talk to a lot of these larger companies and they continue to battle this mindset of people trying to do as little as possible. They don't really care about the culture. Uh, many people don't want to come in the office. It's, I just want to do my stuff and leave me alone. And how do you get people hype to say, look, you know, we lost 3% of market share last quarter. We need to go back and get that. And it's incredibly difficult if you don't have everyone working together saying, let's go take back the market. And you're seeing some companies lose right now, unfortunately. Well, people like to think of businesses as like these agile little things that you can, you know, move the steering wheel left to right and then the thing will move really quickly. But they're more like giant cruise ships, right? I mean, especially when you start, you know, getting into the the point where you have, I don't know, call it more than 25 employees, things take time. And so if you develop bad habits, you get people on the, you know, people standing on the wrong side of the cruise ship or people doing the wrong things, for example, it's really hard to get that thing to move around. You've almost got to like stop, turn the thing around and then go in another direction. I mean, we, we've seen this a bunch of times, haven't we, James? So it, it's just like stuff like this doesn't happen overnight in terms of building good habits, getting things to go in the right direction. Kind of going back to the point of the chapter, when you have people that are thinking the same way and, and really aligned to a goal, doing the right things, it's just easier to move that ship in the right direction in the first place. But you got to have the people that are on board with that. 100%. It's, I look, I think at one point, I'm, I could just be making stuff up right now. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I want to say IBM at one point had the largest sales force in the world. And the amount of damage they did. Um, you know, they were, they're out there killing it, right? They had this sales organization that was world class. And they had this entire team. I almost feel like it's, you know, Wall Street, where there's banging the phones, closing deals, selling presidents on everything under the sun, and IBM grew. But you had this these people that believed in something, they wanted to put the work in to see this place blow up. And Could they have that same mentality today? I don't know. It, it's, it's getting really tough if, to try to grow something when... You know, if you look at the, the pulse of social media, for example, or even LinkedIn, kind of how anti-company many workers are now. And if they're anti-company and they're only worried about themselves, they're never going to really care about the company's goal. They're not going to care about their team's goal. It's They want to live in this little compartmentalized world where it's, I need to process my stuff in Excel. I'm going to send the sheet and leave me alone, right? So I think culturally, companies are going to continue to battle getting the right people on board that see the mission, see the goal, and they want to be a part of it. And at the same time, they're going to have a bunch of people on their team that don't really care that they're going to have to try to coach or inspire or try to like drag them over to the dark side and actually care about your work. Um, because if not, I, we saw, we talk a lot about that skyrocketing wages versus productivity going down and, you know, everyone's making this big push to get back in the office and do all these things because it's not sustainable. Um, it's definitely not sustainable if you have a workforce that doesn't really care about what you're trying to achieve. We're transitioning to this place where, I mean, like to your point about social media, where we're, we're, we're this culture of kind of career mercenaries. So people come in and just do 
something for a year, a year and a half, two years, and then move on to the next thing. Tying it back to the gang mentality things, you know, my impression, at least you correct me if I'm wrong, James, but in gangs, you're kind of in it for life and you're trying to build something, whether it's positive or negative, you make that decision yourself. But um, I think that's really dangerous for a workforce too, because you just have uh, this almost too much fluidity in the candidate pool because people are just doing what's best for them all the, all the time. Granted, that's, you absolutely should, right? Like go, go do what's best for you and your family. But if people, if we have a, uh, a workforce of people that have just done something for two years and, and nobody really develops any, you know, domain expertise on anything, what does that mean for the economy long-term too? Something I think about. I mean, it's multiple thoughts there. You know, one, not that you're advocating for gangs here. It's, it's a, t- a mentality we're talking about. Yeah. But, you know, if you even look at the like, certain unions that stuck together and they're able to accomplish something, like if, if people just bounced in, I feel like being in a union this year and then I don't feel like being in the union next year, you wouldn't get much done collectively, right? And you look around at any of the teams. Imagine if it was a sports team, if you had this high turnover, I only care about getting my stats, I don't care about winning the game. Could you imagine what professional sports would look like if everyone was only focused on their individual numbers? Someone would go, you know, give me the ball every time so I can pump my numbers up even if I can't score. <laughs> right. And you can apply this to so many things and it's, you know, are we just going to go more gig economy where everyone's going to end up, you're going to end up working for a, a staffing firm on, you know, one, three month, six month contracts or you're just going to become a consultant yourself and drum up work as you go. And I, I think people in the long run, if you're really good at what you do, that works well. If you're in the top 1% of your field, that works. And then you realize if you're not in that top 1%, well, also, how do you drum up business if you're busy working? So that's the consultant's dilemma of, I need to be consulting 40 hours a week, but then where's my time to go drum up the sales? Um, the system did work, but now we're going this way. Like, well, if you're going to just focus on being an ind- individual contributor, I'm just going to hire you for six months to be a contributor. And I think there's many other issues with that. And, you know, everyone wants stability in, in life, but we're kind of creating this environment where you're not going to have stability. Um, I'm not sure everybody wants to be an Uber driver, you know? Oh, hundred. It just, to me, it, I mean, we've talked about this in the past, but it just means that there's more opportunity for the people that want to do the thing where it's, let's go build a team. Let's go build a company. There's just more opportunity. If, if everybody ends up being in individual contributor the reality is that companies still need to be built you know capital capitalism still exists in in the format that it's always existed really um and so if companies need to be built and teams need to be built and people need to develop expertise like that there's more opportunity for the people that just want to do that work i think i think i mean you talked about family in the chapter for a minute i think yeah um, I can't remember half the stuff we wrote, <laughs> so like, <laughs> I might be making stuff up. But yeah, I I've had that conversation recently where people will, uh, you know, I go on social media trying to figure out what what is the pulse of social media in terms of um, workplace culture. How how do people see employers right now? And because unfortunately, that's what's influencing a bulk of the people under probably the age of thirty five. So it's like, what is the sentiment out there on social media? And it's not good, Kane. It's mm-hmm. Extremely anti-work, extremely anti-employer. All companies suck. All managers suck. 
people complaining about their boss and the company before they even started at the company. And I'm thinking, well, how do you, how do you know they suck? You don't even work there yet. <laughs> um, and then you, you, know, you tear that down and you try to think like, well, how am I going to build a culture around, you know, teamwork, sharing a common goal if this entire workforce kind of feels that way. And then you'll also see, which I think is some of the worst advice ever, by the way, um, that they were saying, if a company mentions we're like a family run and there's like, you know, 10,000 comments agreeing with that. And I'm thinking, you know where that goes wrong, Kane? You have the people that say, if it, if we're like a family, it's wrong. You know, don't do, don't go work for people like that. Well, with the way the workforce is today, many people think it's a one-way street. You want to, you want all the benefits and you want to, you know, I'm talking to a buddy at a Fortune 500 and he's like, look, my people are like talking behind everyone's back, crapping on the managers, crapping on the company, crapping on the leadership. It's like you're constantly dogging the company and then you get mad when the company doesn't love you back. And you go, well, yeah, it's not like a family. Well, no one's going to consider you family when you're talking crap about them nonstop, right? And I look at, I think we talked in a text last night. I was mentioning like some job hopper stuff. And again, I don't know any like truly wealthy job hoppers, but I can name seven or eight people that are wealthy who stuck around and helped build something. And like, why do you think that is? Yeah, I mean, a clear answer is some level of domain expertise, right? Some level of mastery of something. You get in somewhere. It's but it's not just mastering a skill. It's so much of that is behavior and attitude and belief that I want to get in somewhere and help something grow. And if you have the mindset of I only care about myself, why it's, it's always a commonality here between the people that really make it and they don't. And if you're a company out there what are you going to do to try to get those people on board that actually care about you growing, that care about your culture, that care about the growth beyond themselves? Yeah. I, look, the, all great things in life typically require like others, right? Like very few things are, are very few enduring companies, very few things that have, have uh, endured culturally have been built as individuals. And, you know, that's the kind of thing that I hold in my mind, which is if we are approaching this world of individual contributors, like what what great enduring thing is going to be built over the next 10, 20, 30 years, if that's the case. But going back to your point about the family thing, James, I, I completely agree. And, you know, being a younger person a few years ago and, and like thinking about, I, I used to subscribe to the idea that, okay, well, well it, maybe maybe great companies are familial. But you know, I write in the book that was absolutely wrong there because most of the, you know, eighty percent of a company is is going to think of it as a one way street. And that's the reality. We've seen it with consulting too, right? Like you, you just, it's the reality is that you're, you're not going to get everybody on board. It's about identifying the, the handful that do. Um, and if that's the case, then that's absolutely not familial. And so you just got to think of it as like a, 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 how much can I give? How much can I get? Um, and not just how much can I get, 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 get all the time, right? There's a give component to it that's very important. I, I definitely think a lot of people don't want to give anymore. Oh, yeah. And and very few things are built by yourself. I mean, hell, Kane, it's, it's almost impossible to 
even assemble IKEA furniture by yourself. <laughs> right? It's you know, unless you got four hours to put a small bookshelf together. It's working in these highly productive teams, riffing off each other, ideas, creativity. You know, that that's progress and that's growth. And how do we do that if you're just sitting at home by yourself not wanting to communicate with anybody else? I mean, think of last week the conversation you and I had sitting in the studio for three hours. That that would have never have happened if we weren't in person. And yeah. it's easy to sit back and say, yeah, my life's easier. I don't have to commute. I don't have to go to the office. I don't, I don't even have to talk to anybody. I can completely kind of cop out of life. I am doing my work. But, you know, the company's sitting there. We're missing out on these ideas and these thoughts and the collaboration. And I, it works for some companies, Kane. But as as working with our clients on the Daggerfin side, it's it's obviously not working for many of them. That's like that's a big consulting thing, right? Like you, you go into a client and and they say, okay, well things are going well. We're we're growing at twenty percent, and then the correct response is like, well, how do you know that it shouldn't have been forty? To your to your point there about the company where it seems like remote work, for example, is going well, the natural question, you know, and the book book should help with this. But the natural question then is like, well, how do you know it couldn't be better if you were actually in person collaborating, you know, in a more kind of naturally conducive way? I mean, two thoughts on that. I was just telling somebody I was trying to help them with their you know diet plan exercise, and they're like, hey, I'm I'm down, I'm down two pounds. I'm doing good. And I'm like, you are doing good. But uh, I think I think if you made some changes, you could have been down six. And to me, it's are we really trying to do the best we can? I think a lot of times we we see any kind of progress and we say that's good, and it is, it is good. But we mistake that for doing what we're really capable of. And I think for companies to stay competitive with AI and technology and all this stuff that's going on in the world, I don't think you can settle for the two pounds when you could have did six. If, if you want to exist in 10 years from now, the settling for the two is not going to work. Not in my opinion, anyways. It, things are going to change very fast. And you're either going to get, you're going to keep up or you're going to get ran over, right? I completely agree. I completely agree. It's it's the flip side of, uh, you know, when you, uh, this is silly, but when you're taught how to apply growth rates to companies at B-School, you, you, they, they tell you, well, don't apply such an aggressive growth rate because you, you know, if your company is growing at 120 percent every single year, at some point you're just going to own the entire world. Well, it's the same on the flip side, which is to your point, if you're only growing at two percent and the rest of the market is growing at four, we're at, well, actually, you're you're actually getting smaller. It's we just we can't settle for that, and uh, you know, me gain like um, gang mentality sounds like something I would come up with. Um, why not have the mindset of just market domination? Mm -hmm. Like, screw it. Let, let's grow 120% until we have the whole world. And I think you have to, even if you don't do that, Kane, I think you have to think that way. Especially in this world, you see more consolidation. And you're probably not going to see as many small companies rise up. You have to be thinking, I want to get the entire, I want to start trying to take market share on whatever the hell planet elon's trying to take over like maximize this out what's next and then what's the next product line what's the next service what is the next business we can create that's actually going to put ourselves out of business um 
I like that mindset. I want to go into something thinking market domination. I want aggressive growth plans. And because Kane, if you're not doing that, somebody is. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, that's a really great and, and very important point there that you really should always be thinking about how to put yourself out of business. Yeah. Because it's, I, it's naive to think that you operate in a vacuum. I think that's why IBM's still here and to, you know, play harbinger for a minute it's i have a feeling that in five years ibm's going to be in a completely different spot that might be in a better place than some of these tech companies now they could also be out of business <laughs> I, I don't know but you know you see some of these companies that they've gotten away with one thing for a long time there's not been any innovation and you could see where the next product could kill them right it's if you're not constantly reinventing yourself if you're not trying to always get more market share and also hold on to the market share you have, right? If you're not doing that, good luck in 10 years. I, I think you're going to see a dramatically different landscape probably in the next five years. Even in the automotive world, right? There's there's new people rising up. And, you know, where's that going to put the big three? I, I don't oh, know yeah. if they're out of business in five years, Kane, but you might start they might see their market shares suffer faster than they thought and I, I think we're about to find out obviously right so we can probably overlay some of the current events around that stuff onto that point because I, what i want to do is double click on your ibm point james but um the strikes and like kind of pitting the workers against the company here you know i'm, I'm going to try and remove the emotion of you know whether people agree with or disagree with with the strikes but that's very much not gang mentality, right? There's, there's maybe gang mentality on one side or the other, but that's a really great example of, of a company that, that isn't, you know, not in cahoots is not the right word, but, you know, there isn't the uh, kind of harmony between all the parties. And you can see it in the market share that Tesla, for example, is taking from, from the big three. And, and so that, I think that's an absolutely out example to your point. But to double click on your IBM, example james if i if we polled i don't know 50 people on the street like how many do you think would know what ibm actually does today one and i, I think that's a, like a, a key point because going back to the original idea which is they built this sales team this world-class sales team that's that has this gang mentality around just you know market domination I, it almost makes what they sell irrelevant you know, they, even if they maybe aren't the world-class sales team today that they were 10, 15, 20 years ago, I, I, I don't say that with any knowledge, right? They, they may actually still be. Um, it's the, the culture. It's the, that mentality that's probably in the, in the bones at IBM that allows them to, regardless of what it is that they need to get into, they'll still survive. They'll still be a thriving thing. So if you were to ask me to your, to your question earlier about whether they're still around in five years, um, Again, I, I also don't know, but I would lean towards they probably will be. No, but like I would say, in 10 years, do you think if one if one dies between Facebook and IBM, who's st still here in 10 years? Yeah, great question. Uh, yeah, I would, I would still lean towards IBM being around. And they might, they might both be gone, but as far as services offered, abilities... You know, as of today, I would say IBM's still here. Yeah. And Facebook is going to 
you know, go into some other directions and do these other things. But you look at, let's see the, let's see the history. Facebook's been around a little bit. You know, IBM has probably reinvented itself, what, three or four times over the years. Oh yeah. Um, and they, you know, all the talk of AI and all this stuff. Did we all forget about like the Watson stuff IBM had back in the day? There's, right. you know, it, this stuff is cool and it's going to do amazing things, but I think there's other companies out there. What's that other company Peter Thiel has? They do the Palantir. Palantir. Like they do like some crazy government. There's a lot of stuff out there that the public might not care about that is probably more powerful than we ever really think it is or, or ever will know it is. And you don't, I kind of consider them sleepers sometimes. It's like, yeah, we can all get ChatGPT and play around with it and stuff, but it's IBM and Pal. Are these companies sitting on something that it's like, whoa. And we'll find out later, I guess. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Just maybe. How, how do you want to close this out? Anything else that was, uh, again, I can't remember half the stuff we wrote trying to get this project done. No, I think we, we covered most things. I, we we both talked a lot about making sure that when you're, you know, there's no, when you run a small business, you don't really have the resources to waste time, money. And so making sure that you have this mentality where everybody's, row, you know, again, rowing in the right direction um, is key. And I think we've made that point pretty clear. My parting thought for companies is, like, there's that saying, I'm probably going to screw it up, but it's actually it might have been like in a Drake song or something. Um, you're with these people, but are these people with you? And I'm stealing part of my podcast for that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> like you could you could have this team of people. They're in the same room and they're on your team, but they're not. They're present, but not, they're not with you. They don't really care about you. They might even see you as the enemy or a roadblock. And it's like, how do you get to the point where? a bulk of your team are people who are really with you and have your back and you know, they're willing to follow you wherever you're willing to go. If you can get your company to have that type of culture and that type of mentality, and it doesn't even got to be gang mentality. It's just people that believe in, in you and the company and the mission, how much more can you achieve with that? And, you know, sometimes you're going to have to let some people go who don't fit. It's, there's other people who are, they're just going to come to work and do their job and they're impartial. They're not for you. They're not against you. They just want to do their work, work 40 hours and live a good life. And I, nothing sounds like a great employee to me. Don't, don't screw with them. Right. But you got to like, where's those people who are really fighting against you and those people that are for you. And I think once you achieve that goal of having a certain percentage of people that are really striving to build a company, to build your department, then you can start making progress. But if you don't actively care about that, I think we've seen companies that kind of gotten taken over by the wrong people in the last few years. And look what it's done to them. So the last insight is don't let that happen to you. 